0: eat your heart out enjoy enjoy (laughs) I'm here for your pleasure internet I thought you were just talking to me (laughs) I'm here for your pleasure Lacey always it's so good to see you I know it's so nice to see your face so long it's been like a week
1: which is like normal but it just feels a lot like
0: you're just so far away like so much has happened since then
1: I know so much has happened like just crazy i'm here in another state i'm good um i'm ready to close you know we close on friday and once that's done Uh then it just feels like okay i don't have have to worry about
0: anything anymore no i mean i don't feel like i have the one last thing that's like hanging over your head though right
1: how are you what's new in the vashon world
0: (sighs) nothing um yeah, same old, same old year. The island same old, same is just old. not the same without you. Well, I mean How could that's it be? very sweet. How could it be?
1: <laughs> we invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky.
0: We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise and I'm Haley. And, and this, this is, is Easy Bake Coven. Coven. you have anything spooky for us today do i ever Ooh. do i ever so I grab my wine so i'm prepared
1: yes <laughs> um apparently on an australian beach a guy found what he calls a mystery creature and he truly <gasps> thinks that it might be an alien <gasps> i think so too
0: i truly think so <laughs>
1: So he was walking the beach and he stumbled upon a nightmarish remains of this <gasps> like bloated, weird carcass, four-legged creature oh with an exposed skull, a long tail, and a set of front paws that look similar to human hands.
0: <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. Um, he,
1: he posted about this on Instagram. His handle's tan Alex, T-A-N-A-L-E-X, very classic Australian name. <laughs> Yeah, truly. Um, <laughs> and it's so funny because he like shows the picture of it and I'm like he like describes it as being pretty gross and like nothing he's ever mm-hmm. seen and then it it mm-hmm. pulls up and I'm like oh like what if that's like a platypus or like
0: it could be a a number of things
1: like (laughs) Like I don't even very well
0: be like a regular non-sinister creature
1: exactly like things that have been submerged in water and are bloated for a long time can look very different than they do when they're alive but some people think that it might be um a dead kangaroo but A lot of people have said that it's similar to the Montauk monster, which washed ashore in New York in 2018, and that became like a sensation, but then eventually it was determined to be a dead raccoon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew about that. I'm looking at it right now. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I feel like there are certainly creatures that it could be. Exactly. Like it's not something that are non alien. (laughs)
1: Right. I was expecting like, oh, what is like, I was expecting some weird looking thing I'd never seen before. And then he showed, turned the camera and I was like, oh, it's not that
0: weird. (laughs) That's hilarious. It is creepy looking though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would definitely be grossed out if I saw it, you know, on the, on the beach.
0: The creepy tail. Yeah. Yeah, It kind of looks like a dead possum. Yeah. Mm hmm. Totally. But like the fact that it's all bloated and hairless is mm-hmm. really creepy. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely gross. There's no question about that. Looks real nasty. <laughs> um, Yeah, that's
1: that's spooky. I yeah. like it. Super fun and weird. So speaking of spooky, fun and weird, what do you have for us this evening?
0: Okay. So I was, why was I thinking of this the other day? Because I'm always thinking about cults and oh, how obsessed yes. with cults I am. And then I was like, yes. holy shit. We've never talked about a cult before, have no, we? No, we haven't. And then I was like, "The fuck? We're twenty plus weeks in, and I've never how? covered a cult like how like the most is legit spooky thing there is." Yeah, and like uh, this is my own personal bias of like needing to know everything about cults because I think there's a, such a good chance that I'll end up in one. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to be informed so that I know what to look for when it when it comes to me. The cult of Harry Styles. <laughs> Oh, I'm count me in. <laughs> You're already a member. Count me in. Have you seen that movie? Um, it's called like Bad Times at Like the El Royale or something. I don't know. It's like a it's no. About Chris Hemsworth. But I've heard it? of it. It's like uh-huh. Is that what it's called? Whatever it's called, whatever. I don't care. It was stupid. It wasn't good. <laughs> but in the movie, Chris Hemsworth runs like a sex cult. And I was like, where do I sign up? (laughs) Yes, please and thank you. Who do (laughs) I have to kill to be a part of this group? (laughs) Hundred percent. And they're like, oh, they're so brainwashed. I'm like, no, does not take brainwashing to join the sex. You're rubbing your hands down his abs. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah. So I was like, um, how have we not covered a cult yet? Exactly. That's like the best and spookiest thing. Yeah. So today, so then I found one that I'd never heard of. <gasps> how perfect. Yeah. And they're called the Sylvanian cult. Are they vampires? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like Sylvanian is in like Sullivan, like of Sullivan, Sul- oh. Sylvanian, but people call it Sylvanian, I guess, oh. because that's how you pronounce it. I actually watched a video to make <gasps> sure, because I was calling it Sylvanian. No, it's Sylvanian. Is how you're supposed Good to job, pronounce it. I guess. Look at that pronunciation. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so this is like a sex cult that was in like the Upper West Side of New York City in like the '60s through the '90s. What? How have you not heard yeah. this before? And. It- like really, truly, like flew under the radar. Like wow. no one talks about it. There's like nut. No, there's like no literature about it. I had to find like you know how like Google Reader will let you like read old books. Oh sometimes? yeah, I love that. Old newspaper and magazine articles oh, from the 80s. That's awesome. Yes. There's like there's like one book written about it.
1: I'm surprised no one's done like a documentary about it. Cults are so like, big there's right There's nothing.
0: Now. Right? right. Right. You heard it here so, first folks on Easy Bake Oven yes. podcast. Once you see the Netflix special come out, <laughs> it's because someone at Netflix was listening <laughs> to our podcast. Give us
1: credit where credits due. I
0: want a credit in the Oh my the god, we can be credit. the talking head in yes. the like documentary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, um I'm a bit of an expert on cults actually. I I've dabbled in joining them myself. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we will dive right in. The Sylvanian cult was founded by Saul B. Newton. And there's not a ton known about his life in general especially his young life but basically Mm -hmm. this is what i could glean from the internet he was born in new brunswick in 1906 so he's canadian we do not claim him so oh okay we're just gonna pretend that he's not canadian he attended the university of wisconsin and then he moved to chicago afterwards where he started running in these like pretty radical circles he became communist he was super into like marxist theory and became anti-fascist so there's like the history Or like story of his life that he's presented. And then there's the one that's like actually true. (laughs) And believe it or not, as a cult leader, uh, those two things are not the same. (laughs) He fabricated his history? Yeah, right. Like, wow, who could have guessed that? (laughs) What's funny is a lot of the official sources will report the fake version. Like it's become part of his legend. Mm. Yeah, like part of his myth. But then when you actually dig further into it and look at other sources, like, no, that's actually not true. Mm. So he says that he went to fight in the Spanish Revolution and the Spanish Civil War. And he there's something called the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, which mm. is Americans that went to fight in Spain. And so he said that he went and fought. And he made a comment at one time. About how he's like good at psychotherapy, but he's better at killing. Like, <gasps> killing is the thing that he's best at. Ironically, if you actually look into the records, he was a payroll clerk for the brigade. <laughs> so, was, was not seeing battle. Not super badass. <laughs> no. And then he, he said that he fought in World War II, but like the only record I could find was him saying it. So, mm-hmm. like, who yeah, knows if he <laughs> did or didn't, who knows? Sounds like um, a no. Exactly. After the war, he started working at this place in New York City called the William Allenson White Institute, which was like a, which still is like a psychoanalytic, psychotherapy institute where they train psychologists, social workers, like therapists. Hmm. Um, And... He had no degree and no formal training whatsoever, and he worked in the bursar's office. So he wasn't a therapist, but he would go on to tell people that he trained at the institute and that he trained under this guy called Harry Stack Sullivan, who was one of the founders. So this furthers the theory
1: that he was not in the war <laughs> or did yeah. not serve yeah. in the <laughs> military.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I doubt very much uh, that yeah. he. Yeah, maybe Tall he tales. was like maybe he was like um cleaned the the feet of the soldiers or something exactly no I think that's too close to battle he was probably like in America sending telegrams or something there you go it's probably more accurate yeah this guy Harry Stack Sullivan which is funny I never heard of him before but I guess he's like very important in um they call him like American Freud kind of like he's really but I never like really delved into the psychoanalytic stuff I think it's all kind of like stupid if you ask me I had some colleagues in grad school who like their internships were at these institutes mm-hmm. and they had this very intense very regimented training but it all kind of comes down to like everyone wants to have sex with their parents and I just like to think that people are a little more complex than that yeah <laughs> Ooh. it's like very Freudian you know yeah. very like a piss electro complexy yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah and I'm not into that yeah but so he he worked there he says he trained there he was the, the janitor institute which still exists is like no he didn't like no he didn't oh my god mm-hmm. so he he met his his four i think it's his fourth wife i think he was married four times this about might right be his fifth wife it's mm-hmm. unclear there at the institute and she also worked there her name is dr jane pierce i'm not positive what she's a doctor of like is it true Who doctor knows? in yeah quotes. exactly Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But maybe, maybe she actually had advanced training. So Harry Stack Sullivan, who was one of the founders, died, and at that time Newton and his wife Jane Pierce decided that they wanted to leave and start their own institute in New York City. And apparently he's very charismatic, and we'll get into that. But yeah, because mm-hmm. you're like, how did this guy who worked in the fucking burser's office like decide to start his own institute? But he did. So they founded the Sullivan Institute for Research in Psycho Psychoanalysis. And they named it after Harry Stack Sullivan, despite, as we'll find out, veering very dramatically from Sullivan's teachings. The psychiatric community does not believe that this, the quote-unquote Sullivan Institute that this, that this guy um, founded actually reflects any of the original oh, really? Dr. Sullivan's teachings. Um, yeah, basically, I guess, original Dr. Su- Sullivan said that... Um, the psychoanalysis of a patient has to be supplemented with understanding of the impact of cultural forces and the isolation that they created for the patient so it's kind of like viewing like patient within their social context Mm. which makes sense and Mm. i think that that was sort of groundbreaking back in the day which is kind of funny to think of now right it's like oh people are affected by the world around them right Hmm. how novel yeah Right. So in 1963, Pierce and Newton co authored a book called Conditions of Human Growth. And that's basically like the Bible of their cult. That's like their mm. playbook. And they say in their book that family socially isolates the individual from developing healthy relationships with friends, especially in adolescence and adulthood.
1: Wait. So just to be clear, your family stops you from forming yes. healthy relationships. That's what he says. Yes. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Okay. uh Look at you understanding (laughs) they're like gibberish. (laughs) So there is like so much contradicting and confusing information about this group. Really, there's not a lot out there. And there's a few interviews from former members who left. And then there's a couple court cases that we'll talk about at the end. But other than that, there's like not a lot of information about Mm -hmm. this group. So some of this is probably not accurate, but it's kind of like pieced together from what you could find. Yeah. And probably a lot of it is lies from himself. So they started this group in 1957 and their foundational ideas were basically the abolishment of the nuclear family and the idea that the source of all distress in someone's life is their mother. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the purpose of their group as they pitched it to new, like potential new members in the 60s and 70s was that they were expanding on the revolutionary promise of the 60s. Like we're going to keep the 60s going. Free love and like, you know, everything's groovy, whatever. So what would They, they do
1: like if a new, like what if a mother and her kid wanted to join she's automatically a terrible person
0: oh we will find out we,
1: yeah is that yes. part of the contradiction yeah, she is
0: it's like oh. um no no they literally oh. took your kids away oh <gasps> like they would yeah oh my yeah. god it's okay, fucking crazy. this is not this is this is crazy yeah this it's not like it's so shocking when we get to the end you're gonna be like how the fuck did we never hear about this oh before? my god i'm so excited and maybe we should produce our own netflix documentary <laughs> we could <laughs> we have a videographer we have new yes. journalists <laughs> yes <laughs> netflix here we come yeah, watch out. Mm-hmm. What they promised is that members would find a social circle of like-minded people who were, and this is true, mostly well-educated, mostly secular, mostly leftist, lots a lot of Jewish people really? who were committed to a brand of psychotherapy that that sort of mixed radical politics and sexual liberation. That's kind of how they branded it. Like, this is what will pull you in, kind of.
1: So I have a question for you as a therapist. uh uh-huh. um, You know, I know that there have been times in history for therapy that like therapists have kind of pushed a certain thing. Like I know like in the Uh 90s, they had a lot of regression therapy where, oh, maybe you were abused as a kid or maybe you just don't even remember it, but it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So
0: stuff gets like hot and trendy. And yeah, exactly.
1: So do you know if there was like a specific kind of trend in the 60s that was like, hate your mother? Or is this just to this group in particular?
0: I suspect that it's sort of starting to look at person and environment more Mm -hmm. and like what sort of impacts you and like nature versus nurture mm. and the idea of viewing someone within the context of their relationships and that was sort of a thing and then they just like took it to the next okay. level so they were kind I of think. just
1: exploring that for the maybe the first time and then they took I think it so. to a uh-huh, darker to, like, place a whole new level yeah
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another way that they kind of attracted people is that they lived communally Mm. and in New York City was really expensive to live. Sure. So that was sort of attractive. Oh, cheap rent they right. would have 12 people in one apartment kind Holy of thing cow. yeah and they also did the very classic cult tactic of preying on people who have nowhere else to go oh, you know yeah. like widows runaways students who are just looking for something like groovy and radical to be a part of yeah so it sounds like by most accounts it actually did start out pretty chill and pretty groovy we'll talk about this guy paul Sprecher, a lot and he was a member who left mm. um so he's like talked pretty openly about his experience and so like we have a lot of good quotes from him about oh, like cool. what was going on on there an inside source he'd recently graduated from harvard when he joined and he was just looking for new roommates like he saw a posting about like an apartment that you could live in and he joined in 1974 like basically by accident his quote is i found this group and it just so happened that all of them were in sylvanian therapy he says it was this incredibly neat experience for a newcomer in new york city suddenly i had a social life there were women who wanted to date me we spent the mm-hmm. summer in amagansett it was very loose in those days just people hanging out in apartments so it sounds like at the beginning it was like yeah pretty like pretty a chill. Hippie like commune cults, yeah like colts often are right yeah um the timeline is at times like kind of wishy-washy and a little bit unclear. And some people have like since changed their names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like try to go chronologically, but it's a little bit challenging. So okay. if I fuck up, I don't know. If there's a Sylvanian <laughs> cult scholar on here, you can correct me. I was just going to say, nobody knows about it. So no one knows say you're we'll wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in 2003, this woman named Amy Siskind, who was raised in the cult, be, she wrote a PhD dissertation on her experience oh, shit. um but like it wasn't like a narrative she studied it from a sociological perspective because she was studying sociology so mm. cool um I'm so guessing she decided her- to study that because of her crazy experiences hey eh? totally yeah. totally and I guess her um dissertation was published as a book but I couldn't find it electronically not shocking but I did find an article written in 2005 by a social worker named Daniel Shaw and he wrote sort of like a review of what we as um like mental health care providers can learn from her dissertation what are things that sort of stand out that like social workers therapists psychologists Mm -hmm. psychiatrists should look at so this is a quote from him and I feel like it kind of summarizes Mm -hmm. how crazy it's going to get Okay, so he said, I want to emphasize for those who may not know, that these things did not happen, for example, in a fundamentalist, apocalyptic, UFO, or other cultic group in the deep south of the remote west of the United States, far from the reach of progressive contemporary cultural and intellectual influence, and from the culture of psychoanalysis. This story took place in the Upper West Side of New York City, involving a population of middle-class, liberal, college-educated artists, professionals, academics, and intellectuals, many of whom were notable in their professions, and several quite famous. At the the group's peak in the 1970s and 80s. Siskin describes how hundreds of patients lived communally in large apartments and saw their therapists several times a week. The second tier therapists were current and former patients of Newton's and the other founding leaders. The patients saw the senior and junior therapists, not just for therapy, but also at meetings, classes, legendary parties in the Hamptons with plenty of drugs and alcohol and in bed. Patients were told to spend as little time as possible with anyone not in the group and to carefully schedule every minute of their time to be with other group members. They were encouraged never to sleep alone, to experiment and sleep with anyone and everyone in the group. They were taught that families, especially mothers, are toxic. Pressure to cut off contact with families of origin. They were told that if they did not, they would likely become hopelessly mentally ill and end in suicide. (sighs) Patients were discouraged from marriage and some mothers in the group were persuaded to have children raised by others in the group. In the 1970s, parents were expected to send their children to boarding school as soon as they could afford to so as to have as little contact with their own children as possible and thus not poison their child's development. Mm hmm. Okay. Much of the above was justified on the theoretical premise, quote-unquote, derived from Sullivan's work, that infants react to their mother's anxiety, viewed as being cultural in origin, by restricting their own development, by splitting up the self into good me, bad me, and not me parts. <gasps> Children raised by unconscious, overly anxious parents, according to Newton and Pierce, contributed to the endless perpetuation of a sick society, a culture of convention and malaise. Okay wild eh? i have a couple things i need to get out <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell me okay, tell me
0: your reaction first
1: so these therapists they were seeing were therapists directly underneath newton and sullivan like taking yeah, yeah, their yeah. notes because yeah, and yeah. this was under the therapist that was newton which wasn't a therapist at all yes okay 100 percent. all right and then second um, they were sleeping with their therapists.
0: is that correct mm-hmm. <laughs> we will dive into that but yes they certainly were okay and third how many <laughs> fucked up kids
1: there are right. from these parents who sent them to boarding school right. and or took away all communication because of these horrible
0: mm-hmm.
1: quote-unquote mm-hmm. therapists oh my god
0: yeah yeah So in the 60s, there were a number of prominent people who were part of the cult scene for a period of time. And it sounds like they didn't all necessarily live in their communal living, but they like went to therapy from quote unquote therapists from the cult. So Jackson Pollock, you know, the (gasps) painter. Yes. He was a part of it. Um, A writer named Richard Price, who I guess is really famous, but I'd never heard of him Mm -mm. before. And the singer Judy Collins was involved and sent her son to boarding school at their suggestion. Apparently, she writes in her autobiography about how her Sylvanian therapist told her to send her son away, and she did. And does she like say this was a terrible idea in her biography? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. Yeah. So at that time, it was like pretty rowdy. And the group was really famous for their wild parties. This is a quote from a former member. The parties were a complete zoo. There'd be 300 people. You'd walk in and it was like a throb. There'd be a garbage can filled with wine and stuff. And you'd get drunk and people were dancing, flirting and writhing. You could pick up anyone and take them in a bedroom and go fuck with them. Nobody's really allowed to say no. You didn't even have to flirt. So it's basically a
1: gangbang. Like go have sex yeah, with anyone like a big you want, urging. and no one can say no. And it's a big throb. Yeah. I hate that yeah. word used that way.
0: Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, and God, writhing. I've never, <laughs> I'm like, please stop using these words. Why is this so
1: synonymous with so many cults? Like we're all just gonna have, remember. There's that cult. I don't remember what it was. It was on a Netflix documentary where they would go into rooms and they would like beat each other up and like writhe and like be naked and then have sex but it was like like oh um what was that was it wild wild country or wild wild it might have
0: been yeah it, it was one of those
1: but it's just like mm-hmm. why how is that a good time yeah I mean like it's no. one thing to be like you know have sex with whoever you want do whatever but like I want to be able to say no and I don't want to be right. writhing unless it's like just it sounds kind of like writhing. a creepy
0: guy's dream and everyone else's yes. nightmare
1: well so many of these cults are like they are boys clubhouses where they're like what could be my dream and they're fantasy? engineered by crusty old yes, white guys uh-huh. exactly
0: uh-huh. yeah so they would spend their summers in the Hamptons and in Amagansett. And they would um, like have these fun parties on the beach. And then that was kind of another way that they would recruit people because they would like party with them all summer. And they'd be like, oh, Mm. come back to like our place in the Upper West Side and like live communally with us. And people would be like, chill, sweet. So despite the fact that it was pretty lax, they still had a lot of rules. And you heard some of them from the excerpt, but this is just sort of a list of the rules that existed within the cult. So therapy, everyone was part, everyone that was a part of the community had to have weekly therapy from their Sylvanian practitioners, which on the surface sounds good. Yes. And you weren't allowed to be a part of it. Like if you didn't go to your therapy, you're kicked out. Often they were attending therapy three times a week. Oh my God. How do you not see that this is
1: brainwashing? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, I should ask, was the therapy free? No. Mm -mm. Oh, you had to pay. You had to pay. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of yeah, like Scientology you where you have yeah, to pay yeah, yeah, for yeah. your
0: books, but and also like Scientology in that they would draw out every horrible thing you ever did and then use that to oh blackmail my God. you to keep you there. Yeah, find out every bad thing you ever did and then guilt you and blackmail you. Oh, my God. So several ex-members said that during their therapy sessions, they were told just like really horrible things from the notions that their mothers loathed them to the suggestions that they were as evil as the SS during the Holocaust. Oh, my God. There's a lot of like Holocaust comparison. I don't know if it's because it was not (sighs) that long after. A lot of them were Jewish. Um, Wait. Wait were they telling jewish people that they were just yes. as evil yep. as the ss yeah <gasps> the mm-hmm. depravity mm-hmm. of that like right what so these Two guys that we'll talk about a lot because they ended up in these court cases, so they've like spoken a lot, um, Paul Sprecher and Michael Bray, both said that during some of these obligatory meetings, their therapist would show them old childhood photos. Well, first, they would encourage them to go home for a final goodbye, and they'd say, when you go home for the final goodbye with your family, um, bring back f- like childhood photos. We want to see childhood photos. So they would bring back these childhood photos, and the therapist would show them how um, their mothers were clearly disgusted by them clearly you're like look at the way the body language of your mom oh, is in this picture she obviously hated you do you look at th- she doesn't even want to look at you
1: do you think that these therapists themselves were brainwashed and believed what they were saying or do you think they I think were it's a mixed bag okay. i think
0: some of them were brainwashed and some of them we're making a lot of money and it we're like high whatever. up in the cult mm-hmm. so they were like this is fine
1: mm-hmm.
0: Oh my God. um bray said he was so convinced by the manipulation that he started obeying all of the institute's orders including divorcing his wife holy shit because they were like yeah she's bad whatever you marriage is bad free love your mother's yeah. bad your wife is bad basically mm-hmm. any woman a- anyone is bad. who's not yeah. Any Anyone woman who's, not who's me is a, bad. Yeah. And
1: any woman who is not just at your beck and call to have sex yes. with you is bad. Yep. Yeah. Is bad. Mm. Makes sense. So
0: relationships. Most members lived in these sex segregated apartments in the upper west side. So like the men would live in one apartment and the women would live in one apartment hmm. kind of thing. And they were forbidden from engaging in exclusive relationships unless they were approved by Newton. Oh my god. So they had these date books or like calendars that would be booked up with dates literally every day months out and that was like the person they were supposed to have sex with every night and they would be told like you need to sleep with a different person in this group every night were they using protection yes i think they were um but they they were also maybe procreating and then you're a mother (laughs) we'll talk about that um they said that like to go to bed alone would be seen as like uh being like rude to the rest of the group and like standing against like what the what the group means, what the institute means. So you had no privacy. So no, 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 no. You have no private life wow. like whatsoever. At some point during the cult, and it's like a little bit confusing to me, but I think she changed her name. So that's why um, Newton married this woman named Helen Fogarty. And she was actually a licensed therapist. And she, quote unquote, studied at the institute she would manage specific women's sex lives she told them who they she they who they could have sex with who they couldn't have sex with she would order them to have sex with newton her husband holy shit Mm -hmm. i found an article in some like a publication called low hud which is owned by the usa today but i think it has something to do with like lower hudson river maybe oh that would make sense Um, because it was like it was like new york news but not Mm -hmm. the city but like she lives in Terrytown now to Sleepy Hollow. Oh. So it's like something to do with that. Anyway, this article is from 2013. And in um, 2019, Helen Fogarty, who I think used to have a different last name, applied to have her psychology license reinstated. And so in this article and when... Um, like they were reviewing whether or not to reinstate her license, they had all these hearings. So there were details about why her license was originally revoked. And it was (laughs) during the cult. And so in revoking her license in 1997, a hearing panel of the state board of psychology found her guilty of practicing the profession fraudulently with gross negligence, with gross incompetence, with negligence on more than one occasion and with incompetence on more than one occasion. So they found that she told her live-in babysitter who was also her patient, so another member of the cult, to have sex with her husband. And although she objected because at this time he was more than 70 years old, the babysitter eventually complied. And she said that she feared losing her job and her housing and her therapy if she didn't have sex with him. And then the state also found that um, Fogarty told a patient that his mother hated him and that he was as murderously violent as a (gasps) concentration camp person. Oh, my God. That she had sex at an upstate farmhouse with someone she supervised, like, you know, as like a, like as an employee kind of thing, and that she billed insurance companies for therapy visits that never took place. (gasps) They're sex sessions. Right. When she asked for her license to be reinstated in 2009, she claimed that she was naive after graduating from university in 1963 and becoming a patient of Newton's. Then they started having a sexual relationship. And then two years later, she moved into a women-only apartment at the Institute, at which time she completed graduate studies in clinical psychology at the City University of New York and a four-year program, four-year program at the Institute. Yeah. Yeah so like she actually was like going to school for psychology like she went to grad school
1: i feel like it it would have been impossible like her asking to reinstate her license like it would have been impossible for her to separate accurate and healthy therapy from her
0: experience because they both happened at the same time right you know what's crazy they fucking reinstated it (gasps) Yeah, no! and what's wild is that everyone on like the peer board, all of the other psychologists, were like absolutely not, and then like the administrators were like, we think she showed remorse. What? It's not about remorse. It's about she's
1: brainwashed right. herself. How can she like, separate? She has no idea how things. to do good therapy.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like she participated in child abuse. Wow.
1: Right. Like how is she going to suddenly be able to give people healthy advice
0: about relationships with their mother? Right. So she had four children with Newton. And he married and divorced six times and fathered 10 kids before oh he my died God. in 1991.
1: 1991? Mm-hmm. The year of our yeah. birth. Right? <gasps> what if Are one you of Newton? us is
0: reincarnated? <laughs> 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 so when she was asked about her ability to make ethical decisions during her time at the Institute, she said, I was young. I was in my twenties and thirties. I don't know how mature and rational it was at the time. It seemed fine. I'm like, your twenties and thirties is not that fucking young, you know? No, it's not. Mm, I'm not buying it. You know that it's not okay for your babysitter who lives with you, who's also your therapy client, to have sex with your husband. Right. Like we are thirty-one,
1: and yeah, I know that's wrong. So yeah. not a good mm-hmm. argument. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Were there LGBTQ, rela- like, were there gay and lesbian relationships allowed in know. this? Doesn't say. I would imagine. It's a good question. If they were, they would have specified that on the date nights that, like, you can That's sleep true. with anybody. And and because yeah. the, the rooms were separated for male to female, yeah. I would imagine that. And I feel like a lesbian relationship would be threatening to him because it's women.
0: Yeah. Because they it have power. power from yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's agency for women, and that's bad. Right, and he wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. So, childbearing, which some of them had kids. So, when women know. wanted to have kids, they would approach Helen, this woman, and ask her for permission. And once they had permission from the top people running the institute, they would have at least three men have sex with the woman so that she wouldn't know who the father was. Who like who the father was, and they would call it using a sperm pool we sperm pooled holy shit (laughs) the grossest thing you've ever heard in your life (laughs) disgusting just so so yucky also like sperm pool no never i don't never want that why did they make that phrase up Mm -hmm.
1: horrible horrible use of words Disgusting. They would
0: essentially do like everything they could to disrupt normal parent-child relationships. Uh-huh. Basically, children who were born in the group, because there were a number of them, were shipped off to boarding school or given to caretakers. Their parents were only allowed to visit them for like maybe an hour a day. That's so and sad. And the kids would live separately from their parents and be raised by other patients or by like paid babysitters. Oh Sometimes as young as age five, they would be sent away to boarding school. What the hell? Yeah. And keep in mind, the cult is not paying for boarding school. So parents are working multiple jobs just to pay other people to raise their kids. And
1: were there certain boarding schools that they allowed? Like, do you think they had an
0: in with the schools? I'm sure that they like had to approve of the schools. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course they did. In their mandated weekly sessions, the therapists would advise patients to cut off all contact with outside friends and relatives except when they needed money. So they'd be like, You cannot t- you your family is dead to you. You cannot talk to them anymore. It's toxic, they're harmful. But will you call them and ask for them to give us some money? That is some bullshit. In the seventies or eighties, a group formed called People Against Cult Therapy, PACT for short, which was a support group made up of former Sylvanians and oh relatives God. of current Sylvanians including several mothers who said they had lost all contact with their adult children
1: well honey what did you expect like I would hope that you'd like pick your children over this idiot but I guess that's no but like these
0: are people whose like kids whose adult kids join the cult oh so, like they're adults yeah 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 yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's very so sad. they started a support group for like other people whose kids had joined the cult
1: this is literally like scientology and it's crazy that scientology is so widely accepted when we're like this is insane and it's like oh actually your religion yeah, is truly. the same thing
0: right today matt was showing me well he was showing russell and i was sitting next to him the new um Fuck, what's the Tom Cruise movie with the airplanes and the gay scene? Oh, Top scene? Gun. Top Gun, yeah. so you know there's a new one. Uh-huh. And Matt was showing the trailer and like talking about how crazy Tom Cruise is. Like, I can't believe he did all the stunts. I was like, I can't believe he funds a cult that <laughs> yeah. literally keeps people as prisoners in a so base true. in California. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God, why do you have to ruin everything, Haley? I'm like, uh, like, I'm sorry that he's literally an evil person. Like, I will not celebrate him. Have you watched uh, Leah
1: Remini's show about Scientology? No, I haven't. It's I really insane. need to. It's insane. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But she talks about mm-hmm. how... You know famous people in Scientology, specifically Tom Cruise, especially Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. He has every person that works like in his house, like be yeah. it a
0: cleaner, yeah. be
1: it they're all it, chosen by the. They cult, are right? all chosen by Scientology yeah. so that he's literally always surrounded by Scientologists. They
0: give him. He gives them so much money. He's like their most important asset. Yeah, well, like they need to protect him
1: at all costs. They know like keep him in the cult. Yeah, if they lost Tom Cruise. It would be yep. like maybe game over for them. And so they can't.
0: But they have his secret that he's gay, quote unquote, secret <laughs> that he's gay. So he'll never leave right. because then never they'll leave. Li- they blackmail they him. They will out him. <laughs> yep, yeah, Which is so fucking sad. Like, yeah. It's OK that you're gay, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just leave the fucking cult. It's not know. worth it. <laughs> right? It's not worth it. You're harming people. Okay, oh, anyway. anyway. Um, during one of the trials that we'll talk about later, this woman named Cabot Paley, who had two daughters who joined the cult. Said she learned of two grandchildren that she had never even seen or heard of. Oh my god! Only when her husband died and during the probate process, they were probating his will, and she found out that she had grandchildren. <gasps> oh my god! It's not so sad. This is another quote from Sprecher. He said, "The basic idea of the group is that the nuclear family is the root of all evil and that a child shouldn't have a special relationship with his parents, just as adult Sylvanians aren't supposed to talk to their parents. Every child is assigned a full-time babysitter and most Sylvanians are only allowed to see their kids for an hour a day and one night a week." And that's sad. I
1: don't I guess I don't really understand like if you think the core, well, I was going to say, if you think the core problem is parents, then why mm-hmm. wouldn't you have them be adopted? But then they'd have different parents. So you think yeah, that a yeah. nanny, a random just nanny, like
0: other random adults need to raise them who like don't have a like a parental right. relationship but, with them. I just think the, it, the anxiety of the parent is what ruins the kid is what they're saying.
1: I just feel like it's curious that you'd still have them have a relationship at all with yes. their parent because yeah,
0: it makes no sense. Right. It's all about control. You know, it's yeah. just really all about control. I wish we knew. Like what- they could have chosen anything, you know. Right.
1: I wish we knew, and I'm assuming we don't because you said there's not a lot known about him, what his mommy issues were because know, obviously know, there are some deep, deep
0: Yeah, they're pulling pal- to pull. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like any other cult, they had complete financial control over their members as well. So they basically took all the money that was coming in. They charged them for therapy and there were cult members who were working like two or three jobs And even then, the cult leaders would instruct them on which jobs they should take, which jobs they were allowed to do. Did they provide them food and stuff at their homes? I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. They would fine members who did things that they disapproved of. Like, if you showed too much interest in your own children, $10,000 fine. Wow. Yeah, other times they would like receive orders disguised as requests to provide hundreds of thousands of dollars to the cult to assist in their own personal growth. Like it will help your like psychological journey if you donate $100,000 to our cult, to our organization, to our institute. Wow. So as they got more and more popular in the mid 70s, like at times there's like 500 people in this group. Wow. The group started taking on a very authoritarian nature even like more and more, like less and less chill, more and more scary. A lot of people attribute this to the departure of Dr. Pierce and the arrival of Newton's next wife, Joan Harvey, who was a soap opera actor and an aspiring stage director. Hmm. So it was her idea to buy this like theater company and merge the therapy group with this politically progressive theater collective called The Fourth Wall. And in 1978, the troupe, Which then became the entire organization Signed a lease at a theater in the East Village But the previous tenants I guess like didn't want to be evicted So they were like we're not leaving So hundreds of Sylvanians Took over the space Destroyed the sets Trashed these people's belongings Assaulted people Three of them ended up getting arrested Three of the Sylvanians Sprecher said that all the members were invited to come down and occupy the theater. The cops came in the middle of the night and we had barricaded the doors. It was very exciting. Saul wanted to teach people how to stand up to cops. He liked that kind of confrontation. Wow. Just like a power-hungry freak. Yeah. So, it's kind of unclear to me, but I think that Joan Harvey divorced Newton and remarried another member of the cult. <laughs> how was that allowed? It's repeated- Right? So, this is like another thing. In the cult, there were like all of these marriages that were for like health insurance and like legal benefits and like tax benefits. Mm -hmm. People weren't actually like married to one another as like a couple, but just married to like share benefits or like for other reasons like that. So, I think maybe... I don't know. Maybe they just like fell out of love. Maybe they weren't actually in love. I don't know. But I think she married another one of the leaders because over and over, like in a few different articles, it says there were four main leaders, which was Saul Newton, his wife, Helen Moses, who I think is Helen Fogarty. Oh, right. She changed her name. Mm -hmm. And I think that Saul's like birth name might have been Moses. And that's maybe why she took it. Joan Harvey. And then a man described as Joan Harvey's husband named Ralph Klein. So yeah, people like there were fraudulent marriages and open marriages and like I'm surprised convoluted
1: that they would let women be leaders. Yeah, yeah, it's a little shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Maybe because they felt like they could align with the female followers better. Oh yeah, I guess that would make sense. They had like that own. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the head honcho is still a dude. Right. Like, the women still report to a man. Mm -hmm. The, like, leadership's tendencies for erratic behavior finally came to a head in 1979. Have you ever heard of the nuclear meltdown at Three Mile Island in Pennsylvania? Have you I don't think so. No. What is okay, that? I'd never heard of it either. So I guess in 1979, there's a nuclear reactor in Pennsylvania, which had a partial meltdown. Oh, God. It malfunctioned. Yeah. So it was a partial failure. And it was addressed. And it was fine. But for a hot second, people were like, is there going to be nuclear fallout? Chernobyl. Like, about to yeah. Be? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what they thought might happen. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a cult who has a leader that's becoming increasingly paranoid, like this was oh, yeah. very scary mm-hmm. for them. And and we'll see. He started getting more and more paranoid. So the group migrated to Orlando to await oh. the destruction of Manhattan. They were like manhattan's gonna implode or whatever it's gonna be part of the fallout like we need to get the fuck out of town basically so like at the time i think the leaders were kind of doing like a doomsday apocalyptic message Uh and they were like we need to leave here because like this is the end of new york city wow they go down to florida for a few weeks And then like nothing happens. The reactor is stabilized. Mm -hmm. There's no issue. And so I kind of think they returned with their tails tucked between their legs a little bit. Like it was kind of embarrassing. And did they still Um, have all their apartments and stuff? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, oh. They just went for a few weeks. Oh, okay. But they like acted like it was this big thing, like <laughs> we're fleeing the end of the world. But the whole to Florida. Whole thing, <laughs> yeah. So only two hundred and fifty people <gasps> went. So there were like two hundred and fifty people left over. But so did they just they like said that, take
1: the most important people and leave the others. No, I think behind? some people
0: chose to stay. Oh. Like they didn't think it was that big of a deal. Mm. So then the people who didn't go with them were like totally ostracized and anyone who talked about the incident at all like were they were kicked out like oh, we don't talk about this thing because you're happened. making us look stupid exactly sprecher said this was the moment that the fourth wall smashed closed it was very scary so apparently for months after the incident, members with Geiger counters, you know, the things oh, that yeah. m- mm-hmm. radiation levels. I only know about the- that
1: because I play Fallout
0: 4 and they have Geiger counters. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I used to watch Matt play Fallout. It's got a great it's soundtrack. It's like the only video game that... Yes, it totally does. <laughs> I-, I used to sing along to it. Um, yeah. So they would walk around with Geiger counters. They would um, test the strontium levels in their milk. I don't even know what it means. What they started their own food co op, oh, and boy. parents started sending care packages with recommended food to their kids at the boarding schools. Um, they started having like their diets regulated. Okay, by the cult. wait. I thought the whole reason you shouldn't have a relationship with your
1: mother was because of the it's paranoia, of anxiety. And anxiety, and hello, uh-huh. like you said, mm-hmm. things don't line mm-hmm. up.
0: No, because it's all fucking
1: bullshit. Right? Power.
0: <sighs> right. So another guy that we're going to talk a little bit more about in a minute named Michael Bray gave an interview where he said that after the Three Mile Island incident, this is his quote, paranoid beliefs and distortions of reality began to set in, particularly among Saul Newton and Joan Harvey. He said that the group had recently acquired a resort in the Catskills. So they had, by the end of this, $12 million worth of real estate. This is in 80s dollars. We're in the wrong business. We should start a cult right they had a place (laughs) in the hamptons or something like that they had a resort in the catskills and i'm like oh my god this it still exists because all i want in my life is to buy it and yes there are so many cults in the catskills actually it's kind of crazy no wonder i'm drawn to there right oh maybe i should stay away (laughs) (laughs) and then they had two uh like brownstones in the upper west side which i guess it wasn't a great area then but now holy shit anyway Hmm. So they'd recently acquired this resort in the Catskills and they sent Bray there to build a, this is a quote, secret steel lined room with quarter inch plates so that Joan Harvey could edit her film without interference from interference from the CIA. <laughs> so like they're getting next level crazy. Like oh next level my paradigm God. Now. Do
1: you think that Bray- they said that? Do you think they were, I mean, cause we don't know anything about this. Do you think that they were on like the radar of the FBI and CIA or do you think they
0: were just pretty um, unknown? It's funny because when you look back at like about, like a lot of this stuff, yeah, like one hundred percent the CIA was watching. Oh, really? Um, um, like some some cults and stuff like that. But I kind of doubt. I doubt right. that they didn't. Maybe they knew like who a they huge were. Threat. It was like a group of interest or something. Right. But like CIA wasn't like tapping their phones or anything right. like that. Right, 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 right. bunch of idiots on the Upper West Side. No, <laughs> rich idiots. No. <laughs> right. They're like whatever. So Bray said that he didn't buy into the surveillance panic, but. He still remembered feeling really important that they gave him this special mission to go and like build this special secret room. He said there was the technical manpower of succeeding at this task subsumed under this desire to be approved of. It was a suspension of critical thinking. And that pretty Mm. much sums it up how all these really smart people could fall victim to this. Another one of his jobs was to oversee the fleet of school buses and motorcycles, which the group kept just in case they had to escape from some dire emergency. So they're like the next level paranoia at this point.
1: You know, I try to think about like, how could these really intelligent wealthy people mm-hmm. fall into this mm-hmm. and part of me wonders if it's because it's easier to give responsibility to someone else like if you just become uh-huh. overwhelmed with your life and now there's this figure tell me to- what to
0: do yeah tell me what to do and you're you're this is a psychoanalytic exactly. institute. exactly i can let go of oh, responsibility my life will be better if i just don't talk right. to my mom anymore nothing's right. my fault right and you must know because you've gone to school for this so of course i should listen yeah. to you yeah exactly yeah um, he said, We had a very planned out escape route that involved walking to the George Washington Bridge. In terms of the leadership's children, it meant putting them in backpacks <gasps> and riding them out in off road motorcycles, oh which we had about God. six of. Wait, they, so they had a six? whole like escape plan. Wait, but what about it's, the yeah, 500 people? <laughs> right? This is the, this is just for like the upper echelon, but then they had school buses for everyone else. Oh. Good. So this is how they get out like the elite children. I'm
1: just picturing Hagrid yeah. on a motorcycle with baby Harry.
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> like they were going to put the kids in backpacks? I'm like were they all newborn babies? Have they ever heard a sids all before right. a backpack? What?
1: So many bad ideas. If they were grown
0: children, they wouldn't fit. If they were small enough to fit in a backpack, they probably wouldn't survive in a fucking It's literally
1: Hagrid carrying Harry to the dump (laughs) the house. (laughs) The Dursleys.
0: So, yeah, they had $12 million in property catskills resort house in vermont two buildings on the upper west side all of this wealth came directly from members who were instructed to contribute most of their money for the benefit of the group did members get to use the resorts or the brownstones or was it all just for the so apparently in the olden days in the beginning in the 60s and 70s they would go like party at their properties Mm. but then they said by the end it was like labor like work camps almost like to go build these properties that would like protect them from the end of the world kind of thing (sighs) Mm mm-hmm so Amy Siskind, the one who wrote her dissertation, said that by the 80s, Newton was becoming more and more frightening and violent. It was around this time that he actually started exhibiting signs of dementia,
1: oh, wow. which further explains
0: his paranoia. Mm. She said that he had this idea of how to deal with people who were against you. And his idea was basically intimidation and violence. There were many incidents throughout the history of the group of intimidation. So then she gave one example. Um, her current husband, or I guess current when this article was written in like 2006 or something, um, was a former therapist, Michael Cohen, who attempted to leave the group in 1985, and as he would he would later testify in court. Two Sylvanians, one of them Newton's son, tracked Cohen down and assaulted him in the Union Square <gasps> subway stop, and according to court documents, they dangled him over the subway tracks and threatened to kill him. Oh my god, they're like the this mob. This is the craziest part. As of 2016, the two aggressors, one of them is works for the New York Times and the other is a professor at Columbia. What the hell? No one was ever prosecuted
1: oh my god he was too afraid
0: when the police showed up to file a police report against them so they just went on their merry way to live their life and we'll get to like the eventual end of the cult but when the cult ended they just continued with their lives that's bullshit fucking crazy eh then on July 29th of 1985, a group of cult members broke into their neighbor's apartment because they thought that the neighbors had poured paint onto their building and they wanted revenge. And apparently, if you go to this building in New York, you can still see the paint. Really? The what co- so do you know what color so the paint was? Add that to our stop. Yes. Was it no. red blood, red paint? <sighs> that would make sense. I wish. I don't <laughs> think it was. But maybe it was. Maybe. <laughs> so they said that the neighbors had, po- had poured paint onto their building, like to like slight them oh my god like get over it and they wanted revenge so they dressed up in dark colors and wore like caps over their faces like what pulled hats down over their heads like whatever, robbers and beat- <gasps> yeah and beat the people with sticks they slid open mattresses they smashed the sink in their toilet they smashed the tv um one of them said that it was like a west side story story like oh, theatrical my production oh well, that makes they sense they were all like getting like they yes. want to be because they were fucking like actors. Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even dive into the whole like, theater troupe, but they would put on like propaganda shows, basically, about their Marxist kind of values. And they would go pick people up from halfway houses and homeless shelters and bring them to watch their shows and try to like bring them into the cult. Mm. And they said that like, some of the people would work two jobs. They'd get off work and they'd have to go straight to fucking theater rehearsal oh for their propaganda God. shows. Oh, my God. Yeah. They beat up their neighbor. The next day, the neighbor came to complain, and apparently 12 of them went outside and beat, He was like a teenager, and like beat the shit out of him to the point where one of the cult members broke four of his knuckles on this kid's face. This poor kid. And apparently the kid was too afraid when the police showed up to talk to them. No, 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 I'm fine. They I were literally like a mob, a mafia. Yeah. Yeah. For what? Like they're just getting themselves amped up. They're just in this weird paranoid bubble, you know? So the thing that seems like it actually led to the downfall of the cult eventually was their involvement in the court system. So they did enough shit that people started suing them. And it's always the same it. routine. It's like they
1: can't have enough power. So they have to just keep reaching yeah. for more and more. Yeah. Whereas if they just uh-huh. were happy with what they had and laid they low. They just fucked off. People, yeah. were
0: leaving, people left them alone from the 60s right. to the late 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe it lasted that long. I forgot it right. lasted that long. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. So in 1986, this woman named Maurice Papo who was part of the group. This is so sad. Her mm-hmm. daughter was 10 months old. Apparently, the leaders told her, "Told her, you can't breastfeed her anymore because you're too bonded to her. We're taking her away from you. So she kidnapped her 10-month-old daughter, Jessica, and went into hiding to escape from the group. Wow. Her husband, who is still a member of the cult, sued her for custody. Oh, my God. Right. So during the hearings, Sylvanians with walkie talkies would circle the courthouse, I think just to intimidate people. I don't know. Thankfully, they actually ended up settling out of court and they lived happily ever after together. So I think um, he got the memo proceedings. He realized what was going on. and He left as well. But basically, she said, I'm worried for my daughter's life if I didn't get her out of there. I thought way to go, mama right and she just kind of like snapped out of it so apparently like that so that was in the media oh my god there's a military jet like right over my house and it looks like a UFO. this is the second time this has happened at nighttime lately <laughs> They I know. was literally convinced last week that there was a UFO I, after we came home from your thing. You're going away thing. I was like, Russell, quick, come here, it's a UFO. <laughs> UFO, and then it came really close, and I was like, Oh, it's a military jet, but you know they fly so, yeah. low. Mm. And so I low and slow. Just looked Low and slow. Like, yeah, they're low and slow. Mm. So then Russ was talking about how we saw a UFO the other day. I was like, I <laughs> so wish that we did, buddy, but it was just a military jet, uh, more sinister, yes. in fact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, apparently. It was in the news, like this, you know, court proceeding was in the news, and it actually sent waves through the whole cult, and people started rethinking the organization. So, like, almost immediately following that whole ordeal, two other guys left, and then filed against the cult for custody of their children. So... Um, we talked before about Paul Sprecher who'd gone to Harvard mm-hmm. and gotten sucked in as a young person when he was looking for a place to live. Imagine and then also- spending
1: so much money on an education from Harvard
0: and then blowing it on <laughs> this shit. Your parents being like, "Are you fucking like, really you took a second mortgage out on the house?" <laughs> oh my Paul. god! Like, oh my god. And then the other guy I mentioned, Michael Bray, he was a grad student in psychology at Fordham in 1972. He was having marital problems, and his classmate suggested this psychiatrist. Oh my in the god. Upper West side who is a sylvanian therapist in one of the articles i read someone said that her daughter was sucked into the cult because the student health center at nyu recommended no! a Slovenian therapist <gasps> yeah I'm like that could have been me oh i went to the student God. health center at nyu to find a counselor <gasps> when i was in grad school oh and that's scary his classmate suggested you know you go see this therapist psychiatrist He ended up earning his PhD in psychology in 1976, and like all while being a member of the group. He was anointed as a Sylvanian therapist in 1979, and then two years later, he was asked by a fellow therapist, Alice DeBosch, to father a child. Oh, my God. He said, this is his quote, this had been decided by Newton. I thought to myself, I must be doing better than I imagined if I've been chosen to have a kid. What a neat thing. It was clear that this was a definite elevation. So he was honored. Like they chose me to have a kid. They're just so fucking brainwashed, you know? They're so sucked into it. Oh my that God. That same year, Sprecher, who'd become a computer consultant, and his Newton-approved wife, Julia, who was actually, they called her Dee Dee. who is who is the daughter of this late writer named James Adgie, who I guess is kind of famous. Anyway, they were also deemed to be fit parents and they were like paired together. So if you were um, deemed to
1: be a fit parent, could you raise your kid? No. Oh, you could never raise. You can just
0: no. You could just like make a kid. I also
1: don't get you can procreate. Like, why does he think it's such an honor to make a kid? Like, there, there's no. I mean, as far as I can tell, there's nothing in the cult that's like you're making like little saviors or yeah. Like, it it seems like parenthood.
0: I guess maybe you're allowed. I don't know. They just think your
1: your sperm is real. Just something that not
0: everyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is a side note, but apparently, when Sprecher and Dee Dee started getting close newton started dating her just to basically um, be like i can i've got the power bitch i can have sex with her too mm-hmm. yeah exactly nice guy so bray and Sprecher both say that like all the parents there they were permitted to spend like maybe an hour with their babies mm-hmm. and the rest of the time the kids were attended to by these sylvanian babysitters he said we were all in such a th-, bray said we were all in such a thrall to newton if he had told me to drink the kool-aid during, during those years i would have done it this is a guy who's a fucking god. phd in psychology can you
1: imagine if you entered the calls at the beginning and you were with it till the end like losing like, oh my god 20 to You're 30 long, years of your yeah. life
0: yeah. to this yeah. and then coming out of it and realizing like wow i'm an idiot these two guys Sprecher <laughs> and bray ended up living together in a in a brownstone in brooklyn while, while they were going through these court hearings these court proceedings and um It was so sad one of them said like we were like in it you know like we were totally brainwashed and then we fell in love with our kids that's the big mistake that we made was falling in love with our babies and then like realizing oh like normal human emotions was your mistake exactly yeah yeah um so Sprecher left in 1986 and he took his ex-wife didi to court for custody of their five-year-old son and then Bray filed for custody of his five-year-old twin daughters who remained behind with DeBosch when he left. Dee, Dee actually had an older son who she had lost custody of in 1976 because at the time a judge ruled that the cult wasn't a good place for a child to be mm. raised and somehow they just kept this quiet like it wasn't a big court proceeding and there's a quote in his ruling where he said that she loved her son but she spent more time with her therapist. Wow. Just like crazy. Somehow, yeah, that didn't really make a big splash. But these two cases were elevated to the state Supreme Court. Good. So they got like a lot of media attention. Th- this is where I actually found the most of the information about the cult was when these two court proceedings were being covered. Uh, it was kind of like blew up in the media. Oh, okay. So there was like a New York Magazine article, New York Times article, People Weekly article. It was like oh, wow. a little bit more And popular. what year was this? Uh, Like 1988, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So during the trial, a lot more came out that people hadn't heard before. Most of it I already mentioned, like the idea of the different sexual partners every day yeah. and therapy three times a week, and the therapists yelling obscenities at you, God. therapists having sex with their patients, therapists making hundred thousand dollars a year that all the other people are paying for. <gasps> oh, um, I'm actually surprised, surprised they like, weren't
1: making more than that with three sessions. This is in late '80s. Oh money, right, so that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, know yeah.
0: what that is now. Yeah, yeah. more than they deserve. Um, that's how much it is. Yes. 100%. So it sounds like it's kind of unclear, but it sounds like the structure was like the four leaders at the top and then nine or so therapists underneath them, who all the rest of the people had to see every week. And then they would report back, the nine therapists, they would report everything they learned to the four people up top so that they had like wow. maximum control over everything. Like so and all their sessions. Like Scientology. They reported. Yeah. So, like any dirty little secret that you shared, oh, they would know. Oh,
1: man. Mm-hmm. And did, do you think the patients knew that? No. You think they had, they thought
0: they had patient doctor confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Wow. During one of the trials, a clinical social worker with the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services who worked with a whole bunch of survivors of the cult said, this is his quote, trust me, this is the quintessential cult. If you went in a dictionary and looked up psychotherapeutic cult their picture would be right there what all cults have in common is self-appointed charismatic leadership control over the lives of members from careers to education to sexual relations the denial of privacy and the rampant use of deception and fundraising the way this group is particularly pernicious is that it draws people in through the relatively wholesome notion of seeking therapy
1: Man, that right. that's pretty so, poignant
0: uh huh. During the trial, even more ways that the group had become kind of extreme and paranoid during the 80s also came to light. So the leaders were already paranoid and then the AIDS epidemic oh, started. Oh, no. And at that time, they didn't really know how it was spreading, right? Well, that's so, ironic
1: because it's from just having a lot of sex right? with lots of people and you're doing that <laughs> like every if one night. one person in their cult had it, <laughs> yeah. they'd be fucked.
0: Cult members were required to carry beepers at all times oh. so that they could be located.
1: So, so they all look like a bunch of nerds. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. (laughs) They were required to follow extreme AIDS prevention guidelines, which included washing their dog's paws after walking them outside. Oh, man hmm. The members were forbidden from eating at restaurants within a 50 mile radius of New York City. Special sinks were set up for members to use after being out in the street. They had to remove their shoes to come inside. Sex with anyone outside the group was absolutely forbidden. Basically, by the end, it sounds like every single action of every single day was completely controlled by the group's leadership. Now I searched and searched for the life of me I could not find the outcome of the two trials I found like a bunch of articles when the trials were taking place and like that this was happening but I have no idea what. I happened bet that's in the not end. by accident I bet mm-hmm. someone I mean all these people have a lot of money I bet someone paid yeah. somebody something yeah. to make it did hush they hush. yeah and like did they settle out of court yeah like whatever happened but that's bizarre so I don't that they know were who so high files kids yeah like there's nothing and then this is probably like the most anticlimactic ending ever but basically the group just like fizzled out in december of 1991 the founder saul newton died at the age of 85 at methodist hospital in brooklyn after fighting alzheimer's disease he died of sepsis so he got infection and between the court hearings in the late 80s and him dying in 91 it's like basically the last that you hear of the cult there's no big kaboom like it blew up they didn't get raided it's pretty amazing that died off
1: that he had so much power like him alone because with his death comes the end of it even he even had so much power when he was losing it
0: through Mm -hmm. alzheimer's i also read somewhere that there were whispers that his ex-wife who married the other guy in the cult had continued their own practice from New Rochelle. So like that they were in the greater New York City area and had like continued. Well, working. I was going to ask you, like, do you think there mm-hmm. are still s- practicing Sylvanian
1: therapists? Maybe.
0: Like maybe that's why there's nothing about it. Like maybe that's why right. there's you no know, like explosive end. That's and terrifying. that's terrifying. There's not more articles or blog posts from people who survived it and left. Right. Maybe they all just kept doing it until they died, but their kids weren't a part of it because they sent their kids away. Wow. And it just died with them maybe.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's really, I mean, but basically like he died. That's all you can find about it. Wow.
1: I mean, I know that there are, I mean, we talk about this all the time, jokingly, like daddy issues and mommy issues that obviously we all have, but I wonder if like the sylvanians did have an impact on therapy in that they introduced that idea to then be talked about down the road Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because i know that therapists explore that a lot and rightfully so because it is a real
0: thing yes yeah 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 totally but they just took it to your parents impact right the answer is not to never see your parents again right (laughs) well i think we
1: we see that all the time in like things that we do or say or experience that are like oh this is because of my parent or you know yeah. these little issues i have or maybe because of my parent mm-hmm. you
0: know mm-hmm. um as much as we love our parents like, there are things if that- it's not your parent it's going to be whoever else is like right you. Exactly. like if it's not your parent it's going to be your dorm mom at or the at lack of a parent like that can have yeah. just as much yeah, of yeah, a negative yeah. effect as probably that. worse yeah
1: exactly i mean look at kids who are adopted like they have they might have great adoptive parents but then when they realize their parent gave them away it's like what was wrong with me why didn't you want me it's
0: a whole void yeah mm-hmm. and so imagine mm-hmm. if you had no yeah, you parent. have to deal with your mommy and daddy issues right regardless of whether mommy and daddy are there right truly. right well I mean it's not like your mom died and then suddenly right it, like your relationship with her became perfect right. and holy and you never had any doubts no. or questions no. like Right. You still, I know the relationship. Yeah, exactly. With her.
1: Well, and mm-hmm. that, like, even if your parents have messed you up, at some point you have to take responsibility for yourself and for the choices and decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to work through that mm-hmm. that
0: issue. Your mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Uh, Tm. <laughs> <laughs> trademark that shit i wish i did no i didn't come up with it but it's really love. isn't that so good though yeah um yeah it's like you have to wonder if the people at the top ever believed it like did they really think in earnest that they were ever doing anything right was this a social experiment that they like did they did they believe it in the beginning and they were like into the free love thing and then it just got carried away
1: well he obviously (sighs) <sighs> had a deep hatred for women i mean he had to yep. have yeah you know and yep. like i wish we could know yeah, what like happened with his mom he,
0: right he's got to hate his mom so much yeah i wonder but if you wonder
1: yeah i wonder what his mom did to him that made him think i would have been so much better off just without her like if she had never existed mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he
0: probably walked in on his parents having sex <laughs> when he was young that just doomed him the whole rest <laughs> of his life <laughs> wow that's fascinating yeah i'm really shocked that
1: you know what i bet there is no documentary because like you said they probably continued the practice and they don't want <gasps> it they out exist
0: to this day what if and they're
1: rich what if their theater troupe became a production company <sighs> and they own the rights to harvey the story? weinstein boom jew <laughs> jewish person who used to be a sylvanian controls <laughs> the story <laughs> oh my god we just uncovered it <laughs>
0: Why does every conspiracy theory end devolve into Jewish people run the world and they're in power? How are we becoming anti-Semitic? Ugh. <laughs> you right, every single one ebc needs to clarify we are we have not no anti-semitism and it's like, not a judgment that this was no. a mostly jewish group they themselves proclaimed that they yes. intended to be a majority jewish <laughs> and harvey weinstein is bad because he's a rapist and not, not because, because he's, he's jewish. jewish no <sighs> and we
1: said it was horrible that like they I were being to compared that. to ss members that is like the newest low i've ever
0: yeah, heard. like what the fuck but truly though like maybe maybe it still continues right. to this day and they're all like rich and powerful right. and that's why it's like a, a an, about an actual <sighs> legit theory oh God, if we okay if we get assassinated <laughs> if either of us die mysteriously like if Elise gets quote unquote attacked by a, a bear, bear that leaves a bullet a hole bear. in her head Yeah. And I get quote unquote poisoned by my husband. That's debatable. I (laughs) dropped. Just look into it. If either of us dies suddenly, like look into it because it could be that we're assassinated by the Sylvanians. (sighs) Stay
1: tuned. eh? (laughs) Yeah, that's really crazy. That's a nuts. Not so story I've never heard of it I know that's bizarre especially having lived in New York and like being into creepy right? things and
0: yeah I consider myself a pretty spooky bitch I wonder on the Upper
1: West Side how many people like what is the domino effect from that of people who've been messed up you know
0: oh yeah the intergenerational trauma of yeah that. yeah well and um one there's like a couple quotes but nothing really explicit about um like potentially child sexual abuse oh i was actually wondering about that like wouldn't surprise me at all mm -mm.
1: yeah especially if it was Mm -hmm. like you're you can't say no and i can with you whenever i want Mm -hmm. like it just would make sense Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. there were kids being molested oh Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. woof well i'm glad i ended on that one. <sighs> little... oh by the way you <laughs> just throw one more detail one more there. it'll a little, ruin your night just a nice little end cap Hope you're not listening to this in the morning because little... it'll ruin your
1: whole fucking day <laughs> nice little nightcap there <sighs> <sighs> um so we should probably have something sweet <laughs>
0: Oh, I had this like I was going to text you and be like send me the recipe for what you're making and then I'll make it too so we can enjoy it together and then the day went to shit and as it was I barely made it to this in one piece so what I did was I made myself some cookie dough to eat while you talk about what you made so about that <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, we literally got on the call and I was like uh oh I was <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what can i do what can i do what oh my god I so i made something <laughs> yeah
1: you made something well it's funny because when you texted me i'm making a treat like i wasn't thinking and so in my brain i was like oh she's making the mm-hmm. treat and then, and then literally the second we logged onto to <laughs> zoom i was like uh oh <laughs> that is so funny so, like the
0: time that I forgot to look up a current event
1: yep yep exactly so what do you eat
0: what are you eating over there Lisa? so
1: I kind of thought I could you know just say that I was gonna <laughs> bake some some of these but then I thought you know what I'm just gonna be honest and say that I totally forgot <laughs> um I have
0: these
1: if if anyone here listening is gluten-free I'm not but I just love these when Why I would you
0: ever be unless you had to be I know but oh, no, these are good yeah
1: when I uh I worked for after research as their in-house photo video person and, um, I would do all the on-model photography. And so, you know, I'd have to pick models, hire them. And oftentimes they have, you know, very intense diets and whatever. And so I oh, tried God, to yeah. get, you know, I I'd have to also get the food for the day. And so I tried to always have food that anyone could eat. Mm. So mm-hmm. I would get these gluten-free things just in case. Um and they're yep. amazing. In case
0: those skinny bitches want exactly. them Exactly.
1: <laughs> um so these are soft baked Wow Baking Company lemon burst cookies and mm. you know how soft they are. They just, show me. Oh, they're like <sighs> very tender. I, yeah, they're so good. So if you're gluten-free, I mean even if you're not, they're real mm-hmm. good. Okay, so when we were driving on our very long drive to Alaska, I saw all Mm -hmm. of these big, bright, missing signs along the road. And I was like, oh, "Oh, what's this about? And then Mm -hmm. I looked into Mm -hmm. it and I was like, oh, man, this is a really. Is this in Canada? Is this Highway of Tears? Well, so what's interesting is that it's along the Highway Mm -hmm. of Tears, but her parents, she's not native, she's white. And often Highway of Tears is often attributed to missing indigenous women. Um, But her parents have said multiple times they don't want her associated with that. And it's not clear why. Hmm. so you'll you'll see it's it's a really interesting i you know kind of texted you about this earlier like this could have been an episode because there's just a lot of weird little details but yeah um, i'll yeah. just condense it so this is the disappearance of maddie scott her full name is madison geraldine scott have you heard of her before no so she went missing on saturday tw- may 28th of 2011 she was oh, man. yeah it's been a long time hmm um she was 20 years old And she had just attended a birthday party at Hogsback Lake, which is south of Vanderhoof, British Columbia, which we drove right through. So that's why I saw these signs.
0: Oh, crazy.
1: She had planned to spend the night camping with a friend and that friend left during the night. And some of the last so this is like a a big lake. It's like, I think, 122 acres. Why did her friend leave? She was with a boyfriend. They were drunk and she was just like, I just want to go. And she asked Maddie to come with her, but she just said, no, I'm, she was already in her sleeping bag. She was tucked in and she just said, I'm just going to stay here for the night. Exactly. And then her friend, her friend left. So, um, she is described as a vivacious, fun, loving, playful, social girl. It wasn't uncommon for her to change plans last minute. Like if she had plans to go hang out with Mm -hmm. a friend last minute, she'd say, Oh no, I want to go to a party. Mm -hmm. But it was very uncommon for her to be out of touch with family and friends for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. She was caring and affectionate. And people say she was willing to give the shirt off her back. She wasn't really interested in academics, no. but she did really have a love of nice things. Like at the campsite where she went missing, they found really nice motorbike stuff. And she, this is a weird detail, but she'd recently just gotten a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. She was single at the time of her disappearance, but there was a guy that she mm-hmm. was really into and he was at the party, but he had told her that he wasn't interested in being with her. He just wanted to be friends and Hmm. there was another guy who was interested in her but she wasn't interested in him he did it and well yeah it's questionable and i guess he got Hmm. a little bit huffy in private um when she said that she wasn't into him that bothered him Hmm. but Hmm. they always does they said he'd been put through the ringer and that's like in quotes that they'd you know just investigated the hell out of him trying to see if it was him who was responsible okay sorry and they don't think that it was but
0: we don't know. Please don't sue me for defamation.
1: Right. Well, I didn't say his name, so it's fine. Here we go. Um we did not defame anyone. According to her father, her cell records indicated that she had an incoming call at 1230 a.m. on May 28th, the night of the party, quote, from a young guy we know. They didn't say his name. Hmm. So she was going to the party with a girl named Jordy Boldock, and they actually did a lot of investigation into her. This is the girl who left with her boyfriend.
0: Oh, the girl who left her there. Mm -hmm.
1: And they had Jordy take a lot of lie detector tests. But what's interesting, Mm -hmm. and she passed them all, they said she aced them, but... It it said that lie detector tests can't be used in court in Canada. And so it's...
0: That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. They're not
1: super reliable. No, they're not from everything I've seen and read. But Mm -hmm. they wonder if they were just using them to try and uh, intimidate them or
0: what have you and Mm -hmm. maybe get a good Mm -hmm. lead. But she... Past with flying colors. I think colors. that's like where they're the most useful is if mm-hmm. you feel like you might fail and you, like the your behavior around taking the test. Maybe. Exactly. They did yeah. find blood in Jordy's
1: sleeping bag, which was weird, but then they attributed weird. it to like a cut on her ankle. And she said that it was actually from a school trip she'd taken years before so it was just like old dried blood that was uh-huh. found in her sleeping bag but the family of maddie did hire a private investigator to look into geordie because they felt wow. like there was some foul play or something going on mm-hmm. but they haven't found anything with geordie although they do suspect foul play was a part of this obviously yeah. So there was apparently a second party that occurred on that same evening that was over twice the size of the party that she disappeared at. Her sister was at the second party, but didn't see her there. And they didn't want to report that she had been at the party because she was underage and they didn't want her to get in trouble. But her tent was flattened at the second party. And the person who flattened it was identified and questioned by the RCMP, but they thought that they didn't have anything to do with it. Really weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess the next morning, Jordy came back to Hogsback to pick up her sleeping bag and clothes, and she discovered that the tent was unzipped, that their sleeping bag had been pushed to the side, but she didn't see Maddie there. Uh, the party host reported that he saw Maddie's tent when he went to clean up after the party, and he saw that it was zipped up, but he didn't check to see if she was sleeping. And of course, the next morning, she's just gone. Now, what's really weird oh, is man. that the only things missing or a lot of things were left that belonged to her. The only things that were missing Mm -hmm. were her phone and her keys. And there was no sign of disturbance. There was no sign of footprints. And so they, they surmise that she had to have left willingly in a vehicle. Like mm-hmm. they talked about theories mm-hmm. and they said, you know, if she had been, um, taken by someone she didn't know, or if it had been sexual in nature, she probably wouldn't have gone willingly. They would have just taken her where she was, but if she yeah. knew the person or if she felt like there was a reason to go, she would have thought, okay, I'll take my keys and I'll take my phone. Cause I'm coming back here. And then right. she never did. So they really suspect that, like we always say, someone knows something and there's definitely some foul play. They did search high and low throughout the area. Like I said, this lake is about 128 acres in size and they had a dive team search through the whole lake. The deepest point is 20, I think it said 20, 22 feet. So it's not a huge lake. And if she was in yeah. there, they think they would have found her. They probably would have found her. Yeah. They also searched through creeks and rivers and they didn't find her there. Man. So it seems like she got into a vehicle and left with someone and they're not really sure what happened.
0: I'm like, I would be curious about the guy who called her. That they knew, because Mm -hmm. why would someone be calling her in the middle of the night, and Mm -hmm. that's the last person who ever called her, Mm -hmm. and they suspect she got in someone's car and was never seen again? Exactly. But I also would assume they probably looked into that pretty thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I said, her parents wanted to fight strongly against
1: having her name on the list of the Highway of Tears disappearances.
0: Mm. But
1: what's interesting Mm. is that there are at least two disappearances along that corridor under similar circumstances and that women disappeared, Mm. items of value were left behind or had some similar characteristics. These women who had the similar characteristics were Bonnie Marie Joseph and Anita Florence Thorne. And Bonnie Marie's Mm. wallet was found with an uncashed check near a lake near Fraser Lake and Joseph was last seen hitchhiking outside of Vanderhoof.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: Very interesting. So, you know, it seems like it could be possible that someone picked her up, but I don't know why she would go with someone in the middle of the night. Everything that was yeah. supposed to be still in her truck was still in her truck. All of her camping gear was still there. So, so her vehicle
0: was there, mm-hmm. but her keys were gone. Yeah. She had taken her keys. Yeah, but her truck was there. Uh, and then you think like, oh, did she hear an animal outside or something? And right. And get, like, get spooked. But why would she take her keys then? Right. Why wouldn't she just go run in her truck? And drive away.
1: Mm-hmm. There was one rumor that suggested that a guy named Fribe John Sorry, messed that up. Maybe was involved in her disappearance. Uh, this rumor started after her friend Jordy was interviewed on 48 Hours and said that Maddie and Bjornson were involved and that he was, quote, bad news. Um, oh, God. Yeah. But what's weird is that he was murdered himself in 2012 in oh, Nakazdali. Nakhod- Sorry, that's real bad. N- I'm not even going to try it again. Um, but police uh-huh. also don't think <laughs> that there were any significant links between the cases and they don't think that he necessarily had anything to do with it. So wild. Um, there is currently a still... You know, this was in 2011, and there is still mm-hmm. a $100,000 reward out for anyone who has any information about her disappearance. She's just, she looks like a happy, fun gal. Look at that picture of her. So sad. So sad. 20 years old. She was five foot four. She weighed about 160 pounds. She had ginger colored hair that was shoulder length. She had a bird silhouette tattoo on the inside of her left wrist and that was supposed to represent a falcon. And she had a left nostril piercing. Anyone with any information about the disappearance of Madison Scott is to call 1-800-222-8477. You can also call the RCMP at 250-567-2222. Uh, there is a hashtag called hashtag #findmaddy um and they say until we have answers we won't stop looking it's just that simple so you can also visit solvecrime.ca if you'd rather use a uh, an online tool but really sad weird story and um
0: it was weird to be driving oh, yeah. through that area, you know, to, like, pass by. See, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, right where she went missing. Exactly. And see a missing person billboard. That's crazy. And Well,
1: they weren't even billboards. They were, like, square signs that were, like, on the side of the road. Like,
0: oh yeah do you think her parents put them up yeah
1: it wasn't I mean they, so sad they were like nicer than just like a cardboard sign but it yeah. wasn't like and it was like in the middle of the woods it wasn't like we were wow. on a highway we were just in the middle of nowhere and I saw
0: these big crazy signs. yeah it's also kind of scary because you're like oh is there a serial killer here right exactly mm-hmm. yeah very mm-hmm. weird and sad and
1: you know I hope that her parents are able to get closure and like we said like we say every episode someone knows something exactly like there were only i think it said 50 people Mm -hmm. at that party so come on yeah you know fess up Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. sad so wow keep your eye open just one
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's me keep your eye open (laughs) when when i when i um need coffee in the afternoon Uh like russ I, i gotta go get a coffee we gotta get in the car how come? No, Mama, I don't want to get in the car. I'm like, you know what happens if I don't drink coffee? And I'll go like, I close one eye and I go, I'm going to turn into it. He'll go, ah, a Grinch. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Except one time, because I always used to make that joke. Mm-hmm. in Like mid 2020, I'm going to turn into a Grinch, Russ. I'm going to turn into a Grinch. And then one time I was like, Russ, remember what happens if Mommy doesn't drink coffee? I turn into a gr. And he goes, ah, a gray whale? I was like, okay, that's a little rude. I don't, that's... Offensive.
1: (laughs) Um, It's funny when you say 2020 because, you know, we were just unpacking a bunch of stuff and putting things on the Mm -hmm. bookshelf and we found this little journal that I forgot I'd even tried to start. And it was at the beginning. The beginning of Yeah, the, the beginning of the pandemic. Cool. And I obviously didn't stick with it. Like, I don't stick with any journal I ever start, which is no. so sad. No, me neither. Um, but the last entry, the last line in the entry was, everything
0: sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like,
1: nailed it. I didn't need to write anymore. You, That's you all didn't it need is. to write <laughs> anymore. You
0: summed it up. <laughs> I think I know what your good thing is today. What? What do you think it is? I was just guessing that you moved to Alaska (laughs) in the past week. (laughs) What a guess! How did you know? Uh, Was I right? You're You're right. Yeah, that is a good thing. Um, (sighs) best friend. Yeah, I just have this like sense. Best friend sense.
1: (sighs) (sighs) Um, yeah, it feels so good to be back. Everyone is so friendly and kind, and Mm -hmm. um it's funny because when we were here for the inspection in February, mm-hmm. it was, you know, very snowy and gray and we couldn't really see much. I mean, we mm-hmm. could see some mountains, but, you know, we knew somewhere there. But you couldn't really see the mountain that you live by, right? No, but
0: here's the thing. It's been... I remember you said in your video, there's a mountain right there. Yeah. You just
1: can't see it. But what's incredible is that Palmer, the town we moved to, is literally a bowl surrounded by mountains. Like if you drive to the cool. town of Palmer, you can't look anywhere without seeing mountains like you're just surrounded by these huge ranges and when we were leaving the house this week to go to the store or whatever we're driving down the road and there's this huge mountain that I was like oh my god I didn't even know that was there like we've driven this way before and we didn't see this so Mm -hmm. it's very exciting to be near mountains and to see mountains and we saw our first moose in the yard today and Mulder went crazy um He was so good though. Yeah, he was. I can't believe he just stayed right there. I know. Do
0: you think he knew? Like, this is dangerous.
1: Well, I just think he's a huge scaredy cat.
0: yeah that's good though like that's we were
1: on the ferry you know before we moved and mm-hmm. there was a horse trailer next to us and malder's never seen mm-hmm. a horse and he's only seven months old he hasn't seen a lot of the world right. and um the mm-hmm. horse put its head out of the trailer and he was like what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck he just is kept that? barking and barking, and, barking. <laughs> and i was like dude it's fine that's amazing so i don't think he'll be trying to go up to a moose no. anytime soon but no. ben was like we need to see he needs to come inside because i want to see them i was like ben <laughs> That's Send hilarious. them
0: away. <laughs> yeah. We don't want them to come we don't want to the them house. Coming
1: up. I mean, there is moose poop. Like they will trample. Exactly. There is moose poop, mm-hmm. like all along the property, like near the house, like up close to the Crazy. house. So, um, but yeah, yeah, every, they've gotten
0: comfortable. Oh Yeah.
1: I mean, no one's been here for a long time, so they're very right. used to it, but we were mm-hmm. safe on the road. The U-Haul was fine. So, yeah. you know, it, it all went well. It was exhausting, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. So, blessed to be here what's your
0: good thing my dad came to visit on friday (gasps) that's right and he watched russ while matt and i went to this like gala on saturday night for the uncf which is the united negro college fund and it was really fun it was just nice to have a night out on the town and you guys looked so nice in your picture (sighs) thank you you really did Thanks. I was sucking in the whole night. (laughs) I couldn't tell. You You look sweet, Angel. You sweet Angel. Spanks are a miracle. (laughs) Modern technology. (laughs) Yes. I don't use filters, but I do use spanks. That's not true. I do use filters. Um. It's funny I said something
1: I was on a photo shoot um, mm-hmm. Where I was photographing other people And someone mm-hmm. in the car was like I don't edit my photos And I was like I don't edit photos of me And they were like Yes you do And I was like What are you talking about? And he was like yeah. Your easy bake coven photos and I was like Oh well I didn't take those Someone else edited them <laughs> yeah. of me That doesn't count That does asshole. not count
0: <laughs> <laughs> Also I feel like She barely edited those She barely did She just, like, just edited skin out Like my leg out. hair yeah. Exactly
1: Thanks Jenny <laughs> Yeah <laughs> She does
0: corrected lighting yeah
1: the little bit of things you know
0: just made us look extra we look we look like ourselves yeah just with less blemishes (laughs) on my part (laughs) and a few fewer bumps this morning (laughs) russell found you know like those little star stickers that you put on like pimples oh yeah mm-hmm. he found a star like because he was messing with them he got them out of my bathroom door the other day he like found one and like came up to me and was like here mama and I was like oh I don't need that right now he said I'm <laughs> going to put it on your pimple and like put it on me I was like this is thanks, savage dude. thanks Russell <laughs> thank you <Kids>. okay <laughs> Yeah, so that's great for myself. Thanks, my bud. Great, <laughs> love it.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, this was fascinating and um, crazy. Yeah, I'm. I feel very blessed to not be in a cult. Me too. I'd like to make a note that if my audio sounds off, it's because we just almost had a tragic accident with GarageBand. But thank God I was recording on Zoom. So sorry if the audio is weird this week. Please be sure to check
0: us out on the socials. Instagram, Easy Bake Coven Podcast. Drop us a note. Gmail, TheEasyBakePod at gmail.com. Were you ever in a cult? Yes, tell us. Would you join our cult if we started one? Mm. If Elise and I had a sex cult <laughs> oh, that was only no. open to... Harry Styles Chris Hemsworth Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember who is your celeb crush Ryan Gosling oh duh how could you forget big old duh (laughs) Ryan Gosling Um, if you're any of those three people and you'd like to join my only those people please nobody else respond to that question (laughs) lights off socks on (laughs) (laughs) that's the motto of my sex cult
1: Uh, that is like the most appropriate can we get that on the sticker Uh, we need one (laughs) Lights off, socks on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> just, I speak my truth here. I've had enough wine. Oh. Sorry, mother in law. Actually, I'm not sorry. No, I not own sorry. that about myself. We're never sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's
0: so true. That's so true. <laughs> well, on that note, don't forget to keep it spooky and make it sweet. Happy haunting!